0: Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon and be blessed.
1: If you would turn in your Bible with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you use an actual Bible, um, go over back to the left, if you will, just a little bit and put a thumb in Acts chapter 4. If you use use a device for your Bible, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to punch several little things to get over to Acts chapter 4. But we're going to look in two places today, Acts chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to continue looking at the way the Holy Spirit works inside a refuge of grace. So several weeks ago, we we launched into this and um, trying to figure out what the Holy Spirit is doing inside this refuge of grace. So if we were to go back, um, I think it was three weeks ago, uh, whenever I put all six of these points in one sermon, uh, what, we actually came, what I actually came up with were six things of how the Holy Spirit... There's so much more, but I'm just going to highlight these six things and uh, focus on these. Last week, we looked at the first two, The Holy Spirit in a refuge of grace makes me more like Christ and then helps us accomplish God's will. And so this is vital. If we miss this first one, then we have missed what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life. The blood of Jesus redeems us, the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit shapes us to become more like Christ. Uh, If if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go back because there's a lot there of what we need in being made in the image of God that is vital and relevant for us in 2022 and what the Lord wants to do in our lives. And so this next one is um, what I think is a little bit of a difficult one. Uh, And of all of these, I really struggled with this one. He equips us with spiritual gifts. Um, and, And to be honest with you, I think the reason that this one was so difficult is because there are so mu- there is so much bad teaching about the spiritual gifts. And this is not just in our day, but this was also back when Paul was working in the early church. And so what the enemy always wants to do is distort God's word and the work of God. If you look through the scripture, this has been the pattern from the very, very beginning. It started in Genesis chapter 3, where, where the, the enemy just said back to Eve, did God really say that? So there then became doubt, and then this conversation began. That work continues, How I think it's 6,000 years, but that's a whole other sermon and a whole other debate. This, that work continues thousands of years later, even to today in 2022. The enemy wants to be close to Christ, but he's different. And we are often deceived by the enemy. And one thing that I think we could probably all agree on is this is true when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit with equipping us with spiritual gifts. So if you'll take a look at um, Genesis I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I just want to read a couple of verses and then we'll keep going here in Genesis 12. We'll read the whole chapter because this is vital. And then we're going to go look at Acts and some other scriptures. So let's take a look here just right now at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul writing to a church that is a spiritual church. This church uh, has got some problems in it like every church uh, but Paul is addressing specifically here spiritual gifts and the work that the enemy is doing of distorting these gifts. So Paul says here, Genesis verse I'm sorry, first Corinthians 12 1 Corinthians 12:1. Paul says, "Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant." So this is important and we have to catch that first line before we actually get to the rest of what Paul talks about here. And he actually talks about spiritual gifts for the next couple of chapters here. And later I'll give you an assignment of reading those chapters so that we can truly catch the work that God wants to do in us. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant, church, about spiritual gifts. Because this is, this is my words now, this is how Holy Spirit works in the church. And so Paul said, if we want to understand this church that through the blood of Jesus we've been made to be a part of, then we have to catch the work of Holy Spirit, which is in spiritual gifts. If we were to go back, you don't have to turn here now, but back to Acts chapter 1. In the beginning of Acts chapter 1, Jesus is still here, and he's having a conversation with his disciples. And what Jesus says to his disciples is, don't forget, I'm getting ready to go away. So I am leaving to go away. And they actually said, Now, Master, is this the time that you're really going to establish your kingdom here on the earth? Jesus had spent three, three and a half years with him, telling them about what was going to happen. And even at this point, he's been crucified. He came back to life. He's appeared with them. And they're ready for the work to start here on the earth with Jesus' kingdom and Jesus actually restoring the throne of David. That's what they're wanting here, even at the beginning of Acts chapter 1. And Jesus said, that's not the work that I'm actually going to be doing. Jesus said, what I want you to do is I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait for the promise, which is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, what you think is going to happen in the work of the life of the church, the kingdom, is not going to take place. Instead, what I'm going to do is give the Holy Spirit. And when I give the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit's spiritual gifts that he's going to equip you with is then going to enable you to accomplish what I told you I wanted you to do, which then is to preach the gospel. And so here, what Jesus is actually saying in Acts chapter 1, Paul is also talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's all about the work of Holy Spirit and the spiritual gifts that he actually wants to work inside of every single one of us. You can't operate, though, as a Christian on your own power. Amen? Amen? (laughs) I was scared there for a minute. (laughs) If you take notes, if you write anything down, if you take photos of the slides... I want to encourage you to take a photo of this or write this down. Because what Jesus is saying in Acts chapter 1 when he's getting ready to go away is, listen, I chose 12 of you and I spent day and night with the 12 of you preparing to launch the church. But what Jesus is saying in Acts chapter 1 when he's getting ready to ascend back to the Father is you disciples cannot operate on your own power. And then what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to an established church, sure it's an early church, but it's an established church, you followers of Jesus in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you have to understand the spiritual gifts so that you do not fall prey to the work of the enemy which is operating on your own power. All throughout the book of Acts, what we see are people that are being corrected by operating on their own power. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 in the original sin. What did Eve do? She operated her mind on her own power, and she entered into this conversation with the enemy with her own reasoning. That's, Adam and Eve both did that in the Garden of Eden. And they were rebuked by God because they were not obedient. They decided to operate on their own power. Then we get to the Holy Spirit arriving on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Jesus is getting ready to leave. And he is pointing out this power source that we need in relationship, as God's children, in relationship with him as our Father. He says, this is the power that you need. And it's interesting, Jesus said to his disciples, don't do anything until your power is changed. Well, what is that power? It's the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So you can't operate as a Christian on your own power. We get into the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, we see people corrected time and time again because they're using the wrong power source. There was one time when Paul and Peter had a severe disagreement And Paul was rebuking Peter because he was wanting to do something on his own power. We see this happening with Ananias and Sapphira. We see Priscilla correcting an Apollos. Because the church is not man-made and operates on man's gifts and man's power But the church is a spiritual mechanism that Jesus established on the day of Pentecost when the church was was launched and birthed through the power and arrival of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to make sure that we have the right power source Whenever we gather together as believers and then go about our way as the extension or as the actual church. So, um, oh wow, it's been that long. 23 years ago, um, I was privileged to be able to serve as a SAM, a short assignment missionary in Athens, Greece. I'd never been overseas before. I lived in southeast Missouri, I lived in Kentucky, and I lived in Oklahoma. That's the only place I'd ever lived before. And I was there, there, we didn't really have uh, the internet back then that you could just like go Google what's it like to live in Greece. Uh, we were, um, I'd actually talked to some uh, other missionaries that were there, and one of the things that everybody told me that you have to bring with you, if you bring anything from the United States, is a power converter something that actually looks like this if you've ever traveled overseas you probably have bought one of these you can you can go down to walmart and you can buy these at walmart you can buy them at target so that if you're traveling overseas you actually take a power converter with you because the power that we use here is different than the power that they actually use there our power operates at a lower level and their power operates at a higher level and so with that, what they have done is they have made different plugs. So here in the United States, we know what the, the two little flat plugs that you can just plug into the wall. And then that then connects us to a power source. It was different in Greece because theirs were like little metal rods, two little metal rods. And so I bought this power converter. I took it with me. I took an alarm clock with me. And I get to Athens, Greece. I spent a week there. I was blessed to be able to spend a week there and not need an alarm clock because I was in a hotel. But then whenever I moved into my apartment in that second week, the first thing I did that night when I was getting ready to go to bed is I got out my little power converter. I plugged it into the wall, made sure I had the right plug. I plugged it up, and then I plugged my alarm clock into that. It was not very long until my alarm clock put every light on the front of it that just went off. Every light was on. Everything that could light up did light up in my alarm clock. So I thought, I've done something wrong. I looked at my power converter. I read the directions. I went back. I did it over again. And then I plugged it up again. Worked for just a second. And then every light actually came on. I left it on. Thought maybe it's just got to you know, have a little extra time to be able to regulate to this great source of power that they have here in Greece. It started smelling like something was smoking. I didn't have a phone. Do they have 911 in Greece? I don't know. So I'm like, get this thing out of here quick. I had a little patio. I got my alarm clock converter. I threw it out on the patio, and there it set overnight. I didn't have an alarm clock. You know why? Because my alarm clock was not prepared for the power source that was there. Our power operates at, I think, what, 110? And theirs operates at 220. The converter I bought did not step that power down to utilize my alarm clock in their outlets. And so I was trying to to power something that needed a different power source, and because I did not do the right thing, it did not work. Listen, this is no different than the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. There is a higher power source that we have to be connected to But in that, we actually need a converter. Well, Jesus is that converter. And Jesus has enabled us, born in the Adamic nature of sin, to be redeemed and converted so that then when we plug into the Holy Spirit, then we have the right power source operating inside of us. And so my question is, why would you disconnect from the Holy Spirit's power and then try to go back to an old power source? You see, whenever we're plugged into the wrong power source of self and we try to operate in the spiritual, that's when everything goes haywire and things start smoking because we are operating on the wrong type of power. The church is not a man-made organization so that we can say you're in the church and you're not in the church. The church was established by the power of the Holy Spirit bought with the blood of Jesus Christ so that when you enter and you are converted in relationship with Jesus, then you become a part of the bride of Christ. And then when you are a part of the Bride of Christ, you can no longer operate on man-made gifts. You have to get plugged into the Holy Spirit's power source. So then you begin operating on spiritual gifts. And in Acts chapter 1, what we find are disciples that were obeying the direct command of Jesus to hold off on their plans until the right power source came, the Holy Spirit, and then launched the church. So we, on our own, I would go so far to say, don't have the abilities to operate the church. We have to have Holy Spirit that comes And lives in us God actually in us operating in us and then through us in this spiritual organization of the church Hebrews chapter 2 verse 4 the writer here says God also testified to it we go back and read in the beginning of chapter 2 the end of chapter 1 what is it that God is testifying to it is the message of the gospel The message of Jesus dying to convert us into a part of this spiritual organization, the church, so that we can be filled with his spirit to be who he desires for us to be. And we get that in the next section here. God testified to the gospel. The gospel, how did he do that? By signs, wonders, and various miracles. And... By gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. Now it would make sense that in an organization you have a great leader. And that great leader does the work of organizing and giving and assigning. And there is some part of that in the organization of the structure of spiritual gifts. But here what we actually find is the work that began on the day of Pentecost where the power source was changed from flesh to Holy Spirit. And God is doing this work here, the Holy Spirit, of distributing gifts according to his will, however it is that he sees fit. So now let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want, this is a little lengthy, but I want you to catch all of this. Because here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant, and then he talks about spiritual gifts, and then he outlines some spiritual gifts, and then he talks about the entire body. I'm not going to get into each one of these gifts because we could talk about each, I could talk about each one of these gifts at length, and we would be here for quite some time. I'm going to focus focus on what Paul is saying needs to be our focus and our power source, which is Holy Spirit. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, that's before your power source was changed. He's saying that when you were not in relationship with Jesus Christ and you were plugged into self power, when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by a Holy Spirit. There, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. So here do you see, and we're going to keep reading, so just stay right there. Do you see what Paul is saying about spiritual gifts? There are a lot of different gifts, but the power source behind them must be be holy spirit it's god that is doing the work god that is doing the empowering so we don't burn out operating in our own strength and in our own power the way that my alarm clock did when i got to greece and i plugged it up the first night in my apartment you have to have the right power operating with the right equipment in the right place You have to have the right power, Holy Spirit, operating with the right equipment, spiritual gifts in the right place. That's the church of which you are a part of through the blood of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say here, verse 7, now each one of the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. Here is what I just want to point out just just to say something about verse 7 because this is where I think the enemy works the most. Spiritual gifts are not about you. If we can just get that out of the question and out of the conversation, we'll be further along than a lot of people. Because spiritual gifts never shine the light on us. They always shine the light on God. They're spiritual gifts, not Michael gifts or your name gifts. They're spiritual gifts. And if they are spiritual, there must be a spirit that then is giving them. Whenever the light is being shined on an individual, that needs to raise a red flag in our mind to make certain that it is the right gift that is in operation. Paul says, each One of the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. That's for the body, the church. Verse 8. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in a different kind of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. In other words, you don't get to pick the gifts. You don't get to say, I've got to have this one. No, he gives the gifts as he determines. It's his determination. Now keep going, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ, that's the church, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink, that's Holy Spirit, now the body is not made up of one part but of many. If the foot should say because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason or it would for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body." but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. You keep going on this in chapter 13 and chapter 14, and here we actually see the work of God operating in spiritual gifts in the church but what we actually get from this is Paul is saying I don't want you to be ignorant I don't want you to be without knowledge about how God works in the church because we can't come in and organize the church in a man-made fashion we could do that and we might have some earthly measure of success but it's not going to last and I will tell you this church has an amazing history of 90 years of operating in the spiritual gifts that God has given to us. The more I dig into the amazing rich history of what is now known as Whitechapel Church, it is amazing. It is, it is, it is um, um, I, I'm not sure the right word here, I mean it just blows my mind is what I'm trying to say of how this body for nine decades has operated in the spiritual gifting that God has given to this body. And what I am saying is we have to keep that commitment of being committed to the Holy Spirit's work and not our own work. I would say that we are probably at a pivotal moment in a post-COVID church Are we going to try to organize the church or are we going to operate in the giftedness that God has given each one of us and placed each one of us in this body so that we in unity can move forward, submitted, surrendered to the Holy Spirit and the work that he desires to do to us. What Paul is reminding us here of in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is every single one of us have been placed inside of the body inside of this body so if we were to look at this body that's here and those who may not be here today for whatever reason I believe that God placed you here in the calling that he has given to you in an assignment that he has for you at this local place so that we can be who he desires for us to be And the way that we will see this community change is when we grasp hold of that, that God desires for us inside of the spiritual giftedness that God has for us. So would you turn back to Acts chapter 4 with me, please? If you go left, just a couple of pages, you'll get to Acts chapter 4. And I just want to highlight a little bit of the spiritual work that is taking place here. In in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we read through some of the gifts, and we could talk about all of those gifts. There have been people much smarter and more knowledgeable than I that have written books about every single one of the gifts. I want to encourage you to explore those gifts. We'll talk about those gifts later, but this morning, I just want to focus on the work that is actually taking place here. In Acts chapter 4, in the very beginning, what we see are Peter and John that have been arrested. They were told, do not go tell people about Jesus. But what happens is they were not operating on their own power because remember what happened when the Holy Spirit came? The Holy Spirit infilled them. They then took on spiritual gifts, so they were not operating on their own power any longer, but instead they were operating on Holy Spirit's power. Their power source had changed. Acts chapter 4 we see the Holy Spirit working through Peter and John. They get arrested because they said, we can't quit preaching about Jesus. Why couldn't they? Because it's the Holy Spirit's power, and the Holy Spirit is enabling them, despite the persecution, despite being arrested, to keep telling people about Jesus. And then whenever we get into this passage of Scripture, if we take a look at verse 23, I just want to read this section here. We'll go back, yeah, verse 23. Let me read this section. On their release, as Acts chapter 4, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke, listen, you spoke how? By The Holy Spirit. So they got arrested for preaching the gospel. And the first thing they do is come back to the believers... And they say, we've got to get together. So let's join together in prayer. They started praying. And the first power source they recognize is the Holy Spirit. It keeps going. He tells the prayer in the rest of verse 25. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David... Why did the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, this is their prayer. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had declared beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. If you skip down to verse 33, look what it says. With great power. Well, where was that power? We find that power back in verse 31. It was the Holy Spirit again. What they were doing is re-surrendering their lives to the power of the Holy Spirit. They said, we just got arrested because we were preaching under the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. They get back with the body. They renew that surrendered life to the Holy Spirit and they said, enable us to keep doing this. And then in verse 33, the scripture says, it was with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was upon them all and this is where my mind was blown away much grace was upon them all well what is it that's at work here in these people it's the power of Holy Spirit And then whenever you get to this word in verse 33, it says there was a lot of grace upon them. So the Lord sent me back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you look at what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when he says, listen, I don't want you church to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. I had never looked up this word gifts in the Greek. So I look up this word gifts. Uh, gifts, spiritual gifts, the two joined together in the Greek. And this is what the literal translation of this, grace gifts. Is that not amazing? Grace gifts. Do you see now the work of the early church? You know what it was? It was a refuge of grace. You know what God has called us back to be? A refuge of Of grace and so the first Sunday in September we're gonna go through the book of Acts not in one Sunday don't worry because we have to find out about this power source of Holy Spirit that was working in the early church that caused there to be much grace because when it comes to spiritual gifts they are grace Gifts, And if we want to be the full potential of this refuge of grace in this body of believers that God has called us to be, we not only have to be changed by grace, but we have to operate in grace gifts or spiritual gifts so that every single one of us are reaching the uh, potential that God has for us with a total reliance upon the Holy Spirit. In any real genuine ministry that comes out of a church, it cannot come from the natural realm. Instead, it must be the supernatural presence of God, which is his Holy Spirit, that makes it happen. And if we want to be a refuge of grace, not only changed by grace, then every single one of us has to discover the grace gifts that God wants to give to every single one of us. We can't operate in the natural realm. We must operate only under the supernatural presence of God. Because with the Holy Spirit, the goal changes. And the goal for us is not filling up this place so that we set some record on Sunday morning. Instead, it is simply leading people to experience the grace of Jesus Christ so that they then are operating in the grace gifts that God has for them, living lives that are totally surrendered and edifying God. So let me ask you a question. Are you committed To God or are you surrendered to God? Because there's a difference here. We think being committed to God is enough, but it's not. Because when you commit to something, you can change your mind. When you commit, you hold the power. You can change your commitment. Now when you change the commitment in the natural world, There are some consequences to that. If you commit to buy a house and you sign on the dotted line, you can change your mind about buying that house. Now, there are consequences to that. They're going to come and they're going to take the house back and you're going to have to find somewhere to live. But that was because you made a commitment to that. You can change your commitments. When you are committed to something, you are the one that's in control. But when you are surrendered to something, You've lost total control. And I think what God wants in this refuge of grace, not just this one, but everywhere. He's looking for a people that are willing to move past the commitment to live lives that are totally surrendered to him. When you are committed to operating in spiritual gifts, if something happens that you don't like, well, you just change your mind. You could go to another church. Ah, yeah. if that's what the Lord's going to do with me there? I don't like that. I'm going to go somewhere else. Or if that's what they're going to teach, they are going to teach the Bible? I don't like what that's... I'm going to go find somewhere. You see, that's when you're operating in commitment. But when you are surrendered to Holy Spirit, what you have said is, I have lost total control, Holy Spirit. And it might not be my preference. It might not be my style. It might not be what I like but I am surrendered 100% to you so that I am not in control. Instead, you are in control. And maybe for some of us, we've been committed to God instead of surrendered to God. And I believe if we would go the next step, past commitment to surrender, that's when I believe. That's when I believe with all of my being that we're going to begin seeing spiritual gifts used in a mighty, mighty way in this refuge of grace. I want to read something to you that is from Adrian Rogers that I just read this morning. Adrian Rogers says, I have a friend named Joseph Son. He's a dear man who's like the Billy Graham of Romania. Joseph is a man of great faith. I'd been in Romania preaching crusades. This is Adrian Roger. And one day, as we were riding along, I asked him his opinion about American Christians. Specifically, I said, Joseph, tell me about American Christianity. And he answered, No, Adrian, I'd rather not. Adrian says, Joseph, I'm a big boy. Tell me. And he replied, Well, Adrian, in America, the big word is commitment. That's good, isn't it, Joseph? I said, No. Joseph says, it's not necessarily good. When you make a commitment, you're the one that's in control. For you see, the word commitment didn't even really come about into the American language and was used until about the early 60s. It's a very popular word today, though, and we've been using it for decades. Adrian says, I believe what's happening in the American church is that people are telling God what they're committed to. They're committed to memorizing the Bible. They're committed to tithing. They're committed to soul winning. They're committed to the work that the church is doing. But he said, if a man pulled out a gun and he said, stick them up, you'd lift your hands. Would you start telling him what you're committed to? Or would you say, what is it that you want me to do? I surrender. Are you committed Or are you surrendered? Because what Paul is telling the early church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts, is he says, you have to first be totally surrendered to the power of Holy Spirit. You see, what I messed up in in Greece is I took an alarm clock and I submitted it, I surrendered it to the wrong power source And it fried it. It no longer worked. And whenever you're plugged into the wrong power source, you don't work the way that God wants you to work. And in this refuge of grace, God is asking for a people that are totally surrendered to him, giving hands off, in every area of life, in your job, in your family, in your finances, in your relationships, in every area of your life, saying, God, I'm surrendering everything to you. It all belongs to you. So it's yours, and let me use it and operate it in the spiritual gifts or the grace gifts that you desire to use in me. Are you committed? or are you surrendered? Because if you're committed, you can't get to the spiritual gifts, the full power of the spiritual gifts, of Holy Spirit operating through you that he desires to operate. God's waiting for a group of people to totally surrender and give up total control. And then what we see in the book of Acts happen are these amazing spiritual gifts operating over and over and over again. In Acts chapter 2, verse 43, many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Well, what were the signs and wonders? That was the work of the spiritual gifts, the grace gifts. Acts 4.30, signs and wonders were performed in the name of Jesus. That's grace Gifts, Acts five twelve. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done by the hands of the apostles. Grace, gifts, Acts six eight. Stephen was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Grace, gifts, Acts eight six. Philip was performing signs and wonders. Acts eight thirteen. Simon believed that after seeing signs and miracles performed in front of him, grace gifts changed Simon's life. Acts fourteen three. Granting signs and wonders were done by their hands. That was Paul and Barnabas. Acts 15, 12, again, Paul and Barnabas related what signs and wonders that God had been done through him. Who is it that is working there? That's the Holy Spirit. Why is the Holy Spirit operating in those grace gifts? Because there was a people whose lives were totally surrendered to God. Whitechapel Church, I am calling you today to a place of total surrender to the work that God wants to do in us. And so this is a time for us to say, God, I'm going to take my hands off and I'm going to totally surrender. This is your church. You've blessed us with these resources. You died for the church. We don't have to die for the church. We don't have to give our lives to the church. He gave his life. We surrender our lives. And say, God, how is it that you want to use me? I know that you may have used me in the past in certain ways, but how is it today, on this day in July of 2022, how is it that you want to use me? Because listen, all of us have to live surrendered lives to the grace gifts and the power that the Holy Spirit has, and he wants to work through every one of us. We cannot be a people any longer committed. We have to be a people that is totally surrendered you see, what was happening in the, in the book of Acts is grace were expected. They were the norm. It wasn't accidental. They knew that the Holy Spirit was working through them. It was expected because they were living surrendered lives. And I want us to get to that same place of being able to operate the way that they were operating in the book of Acts so that we expect the move of God every time we show up. We expect the Holy Spirit to convict people who are living lives uh, that are, that are uh, in sin. We expect the Holy Spirit to infill people who are operating on their own power. That's how they were operating in the book of Acts, because they were people living lives surrendered. So today, would you surrender everything. Hands off to God. Maybe you've been living a surrendered life. This morning, I want to ask you to recommit to that surrendered life. Maybe you've never surrendered. Maybe you've just lived a life back and forth, and you said, I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm going to operate with God sometimes, I'm going to go. You've just been teeter-tottering back and forth for whatever reason, for whatever, circ- whatever it is, this morning I'm asking you to commit... God. Maybe you have never entered into relationship with Jesus Christ and you've never received his grace, his free gift of salvation for the first time. This morning is that time to surrender and say, God, I want to receive you as the payment for my sins so that I become your son or I become your daughter and I enter into relationship with you washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, this is a day of surrender for us, Whitechapel, so that we don't operate on our own power, but instead we operate only in the grace gifts that God has for us. So that's the commitment that I'm asking you to make. It's a big ask. It is a huge ask. But it has to be our heart. People that are surrendered in this refuge of grace. Thanks
0: for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week and be blessed.